0: the Lord good to see you this morning isn't it wonderful to be able to be in the presence of the Lord amen when we gather in his name he is here in the midst of us he is loving our worship today thank you so much for being here today it's good to see some faces I haven't seen in a while I've been out of town, vacation, that kind of thing, but I'm glad that you're here. Thank you for wearing these name tags for me this month. This is the last day that I'm going to ask you to do that. Uh, Next week, you don't have to do that. I, I know that they didn't know that I heard them say it, but I heard someone say back there, I guess I'll put a name tag on today, otherwise pastor will fuss at me and uh, I I don't know that I would fuss at you but I was encouraging everyone to do that we've had so many new people coming in uh, and just to get your names is such a blessing to be able to look you in the eye and call you by name it's interesting to me that we've got some folks coming that have the same name we've got some Paul's that have been coming we've got some Brenda's that have been coming We've got some others that the name is the same, so praise the Lord. The Lord must know that my mind is getting, you know, to the place where I need several people with the same name. That way I can call you by the name and hopefully it applies to who you are. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, would you like to celebrate this morning for just a moment? You know, at the beginning of the year, We decided that it was time for us to get serious about trying uh, to liquidate the mortgage that has been on this property and over our head for the last few years. Uh, We spend um, a lot of money every month just paying mortgage, paying interest to the bank and that kind of thing. The Lord's been good to us. We've been able to make good progress through the years on it. But my vision is that if we can liquidate this mortgage, that we'll have about $6,000 every month that we'll be able to put back into ministry immediately. There's so many things that we could be doing rather than paying interest. And the scripture does tell us that those who are paying the interest and in debt, they're in, in slavery and bondage to the lender. And so we need to get ourselves free from that. So at the beginning of the year, we decided that with our normal mortgage payment, that we would add each month an additional $2,000, and that we would start add, start making some progress on that. And so we've done that. Erlene came to me a few days ago, and she said, would you like to celebrate over something today, Pastor? I said, I would. She said, when it came time for us to add our principal payment to our mortgage payment, we discovered, that we had five hundred and eighty nine dollars more come in than what we had projected so when she said what do you want me to do i said write the check we told them that if they'd give it we would put it on the principal, and the sooner we do that the more interest we'll save so last month you gave five hundred and eighty nine dollars more than what we had asked you to give can you say praise the lord for that amen Amen. Now today we had scheduled our world mission service. Uh, Terrell Brinson and his wife Debbie normally come each year to give us a little bit of an update on our projects and where we're at and what's going on and where we need to focus our attention for the next year. And uh, Terrell's father passed away and he was unable to be with us today. Uh, So we talked and discussed uh, some, some things that we'd like to do so next week, next Sunday morning, I'm going to be presenting a couple of things that I would like for you to consider for our next several months and maybe into next year. So I'll give you that information next week. So if you don't mind, bring your checkbooks with you next week or however you intend to sow seed into our projects. And we will let you know what our focus will be over the next several months and the next year. And you have always been so good and so generous. And uh, I, I told you a couple of weeks ago, our church and our denomination and our category, we were the second highest giving congregation in the state of Kentucky for this last year. Can you say praise the Lord for that? Amen so i thank you i thank you for that and i thank you for being here today well i want you to grab your bibles if you would and uh uh, this message that i'm going to preach today is something that i've had on my heart for a little while now and uh something that i want to be able to speak to you with love something that i'd like to be able to say in such a way that would not be offensive or come off that way or accusatory anything in that of that nature but I think sometimes we just need to take a long, hard look at where we are and see if there's any adjustments that need to be made. I know in my life, it's true through the years that I've needed to make some adjustments. I've needed to do some things and, and, and create some new habits in my life that were necessary if I w- was going to achieve all that God has for me. And I want that, don't you? I want to be everything that God wants me to be. I I live my life just hoping and praying that one day I'll stand before him and hear him say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's why I live. That's what motivates me every day of my life. But I also understand that sometimes I miss the mark. Sometimes I need to change my focus in order to get where I know that God wants me to get to. So today I'm going to preach a message to you. It will look a little different, feel a little different. But the whole goal is to get get us to examine ourselves. And I'm going to ask you today to examine yourself. Now today I'm going to give you ten different questions that will help you in your endeavor to examine yourself. And so if you're taking notes and if you've got paper or pencil, get it out. Because here's what I'd like for you to do. I'd like for you, with each one of these questions, I'd like for you to rate yourself on how you think you're doing. But 1 to 10, are you an 8? Are you a 7? Are you a 5? I'm not going to ask anybody at the end of the service to stand up and give me what your total number is. I'm just trying to spur you to think about your life. And to see where you are and what adjustments need to be made. A man by the name of Zig Ziglar, several years ago, said we need to do a checkup from the neck up to eliminate stinking thinking. I I like that, don't you? Because we indeed need to do that. But Zig was not one of the first ones to suggest that we need to do an examination of our lives. We find it in Scripture. In 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 5 through 6, it says this: It says, Test yourselves to see if you are in the faith. Examine yourselves. Do yourself, or do you re- yourselves not recognize that Jesus Christ in, in, is in you unless you fail the test? And I hope you will recognize that we ourselves do not fail the test. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. And I thank you for the opportunity that I have today to preach your word. And I pray that you will help me say what needs to be said. And to stay away from the things that don't need to be said. Because I'm representing you today and not myself. So I pray, Lord, that you will help us to understand your word, apply it to our lives, and be better people because of what you are doing in us. We ask you in Jesus' name, amen. So test yourselves, the scripture says. Test yourselves. Test yourselves. In some translations, it says, examine yourselves. Let me ask you. This morning before you left your house, you'd brushed your teeth, those of you who are men, you shaved your face, may have been a few ladies that shaved your face as well, I I don't know, You, you, you fixed your hair, you combed it, you got it sprayed, everything in good shape. And probably one of the last things that you did before you left the house is that you, you had looked at yourself and examined yourself to make sure that all the effort that you had put into getting ready to come to church had actually paid dividends. And so we need to understand that there's a time for this kind of examination. Just um, a few weeks ago, I got an email from my doctor. And my doctor in this email just very kindly said, you have a prescription that they're asking me to refill, and I'm not going to refill that prescription because you haven't been to see me in quite some time. And I need for you to come see me so that I can examine you before I will agree to fill the prescription. Anybody ever been there? And so I made the appointment, and I went to the doctor, and you know how it is when you go there. They ask a lot of questions that, in my opinion, are really none of their business at all. But it helps them to be able to help us in our journey to be healthy. So I walked in, and the first lady that I I got to, she said, Mr. Baker, we're going to need to weigh you so if you would step up on the scale and so I stepped up on the scale after a little bit of protest and I did it and she said well she said I don't know if you know this or not but she said "Uh, you're you're overweight and and I looked at her and I said so are you And so what's next and so she took me in and she said roll up your sleeve I'm gonna take your blood pressure and she took my blood pressure and she said your blood pressure is perfect and I said yours is too and we went through all look in my ear look in my mouth look up my nose I said I wouldn't do that for very long if I were you but then they said, take your shoes off. We want to take, test your toes and your, and your feet and the bottom of your feet. And we want to check the pulse in your feet. And she put her hands on my feet. And she said, my goodness, your heart is beating healthily. And I said, yours is too. Praise the Lord. After all this examination my doctor finally they took my blood, all that kind of stuff. She said, you know, your numbers are perfect. She said, everything about it is good. She said, you're just a healthy individual. And I said, praise the Lord. I love you and I appreciate you and I'll pay you double today if you need me to. And the whole point is, is that there are times in our lives that we just have to take an honest look And who we are and how we're living our lives. And that is true not only physically, but it is true spiritually as well. Now that scripture that I gave you earlier from 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 5 through 6, I want to read it again to you from the Message Bible. And it's very clear what the implication here. It says, test yourselves to make sure you are solid in the faith. Don't drift along taking everything for granted. Give yourselves regular checkups. You need first-hand evidence, not mere hearsay, that Jesus Christ is in you. Test it out, he says, and if you fail the test, do something about it. I like that, don't you? Do something about it. He goes on to say, I hope the test won't show that we have failed, but if if it comes to that, we'd rather the test showed our failure than your failure. We're rooting for the truth to win out in you. How could we do otherwise? So today, it's one thing to talk about examining ourselves. It's another thing to know how to go about doing that. So I have devised 10 questions that I'm going to ask you today. And I want you in your own mind to examine yourself and to ask yourself, how am I doing with that? The first question is this. You need to ask yourselves, do I truly believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and the Savior of the world? So I'm asking you today, do you really believe that Jesus is who he says he is? Do you really believe that he is who this book declares him to be? You say, no, pastor, why would you ask me that? I've been attending this church for years and years. I've been coming regularly, and of course I believe who Jesus is. And my question to you is, do you really? Or do you just come to church because you think it's expected of you? I know people that come to church because it's easier for them to come to church than to have to listen to their spouse fuss at them for not going to church can I get an amen I know people who come to church because they just think well if I go to church surely God will be pleased with that I do this I do that I practice religion because it's the right thing to do but what I'm encouraging you to do today is examine your heart and ask yourself, do I do what I do because I truly believe that Jesus Christ is the savior of the world and I need to be saved? I know people who don't think they need to be saved. We all need a savior. The scripture tells us in John 3:16 for God So loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him should not perish but have eternal life. And then I love Acts chapter 4 verse 12 that says salvation can be found in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. There are all kinds of religions in this world, all kinds of faith processes. And you can choose any of those that you want to choose because God is not going to take your your ability to make that choice away from you. But what Scripture is saying is, is that you can't get to heaven any way other than through Jesus Christ. And so the very first question that you need to ask yourself today is, do I truly believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and the Savior of the world? The second question that you need to ask yourself is, am I actively seeking a personal relationship with God through prayer, by studying His Word, and by participating in fellowship with other believers so in other words what are you doing to testify to the fact that you are a child of God let me just ask you very pointedly when is the last time outside of being in church that you spend any significant time at all in prayer don't raise your hands don't, don't tell me verbally, just think about it. When literally is the last time that you just paused what you were doing in order to seek time praying and being in the presence of God? Prayer. Last night, I decided I was going to go outside and build a fire in my fire pit, and I sat out there, and for a good hour and a half, I just spent time praying. I spent time praying for you. I spent time praying for this day. I spent time praying for me and asking the Lord to help me to handle this message with care. Because my goal is not to make anyone angry with me today, my goal is to spur you on to greater faith and, and relationship with Jesus Christ. So when's the last time that you actually spent any time praying? Oh, I'm not talking about stubbing your toe and saying, Oh, Jesus, help me. You know, that's one form of prayer, I guess. But when's the last time that you really just said, You know, guys, I just want to go spend some time with the Lord. I just want to go sit with him. I want to get a cup of coffee or hot chocolate. And I just want to go and I want to enjoy the presence of, of almighty god i i just want to spend some time talking to him i was just talking to Joni this morning who just came back from uh, from bailey's in in southern kentucky she'd been camping down there with her family for a couple of weeks and donna and i were able to get away for a couple of nights this week and try out the new pop-up camper and, and that, that and I always find myself, when I'm in a setting like that, just looking over the nature of God and His creation, and just wanting to find a spot where I can get along with him and just thank Him for all that He has created, and thank Him for all that he has done in my life. We tend to have a prayer life that is always, or typically is me focus what do I need what do I want What do I want God to do for me? What do I want him to do for my family? What do I want him to do for my friends? What do I want God to do? I'm talking about seeking a relationship in prayer that just says, God, I just want to come close to you and be where you are. There's nothing like being in the presence of God in prayer. And my question to you is, is, how often do you take advantage of that? what about the word you know you have got a pastor that attempts every week to bring you a message that is rooted in the Word of God you don't need my political opinions you don't need my opinions about this earth my opinions will not get you very far but I tell you what will change your life is a relationship with God through the word Once you get the Word of God in you, it will change you like nothing else. When's the last time that you just said, I'm going to church today because I'm going to fellowship with other believers? More often than not, we hear people say, I don't want to go to church because I don't like the people at church. The people at church are imperfect. Yeah, we all are. And if you think that you are and you need to be in the house of god so that we can bounce off of one another and grow and spur one another to maturity in our faith so when's the last time psalm chapter 119 verse 11 says this the psalmist says i've hidden your word in my heart so that i might not sin against you that word hidden is a very interesting word Because it implies that we are able to take the Word of God and ingest it into our lives in such a way that it is there and we don't even know it's there until it comes tumbling out. Isn't that sad? Did you ever lose something? I'm on the hunt for a pocket knife right now that fell out of my pants here a few days ago. I can't find it in the car. I can't find it in the couch. I can't find it anywhere. But you know what? One of these days, I'm going to find that little pocket knife. And when I do, I'm going to rejoice because I didn't know where it was. But then it became evident when I found it. That's the way the Word of God is. When we study this book, when we eat this book, when we have it as a part of our daily routine, and not just when pastor preaches, not just when some evangelist comes by, not just when I turn CBN or TBN or anybody else on, not just then, but I'm going to take the Word of God and I don't want anybody to talk to me about it other than the Holy Spirit that is alive and well because he said he'd teach me all things and then all of a sudden we get into circumstances and situations and the word of God just starts spilling out it just starts coming out this morning my wife was struggling a a bit to get ready and and she said I don't know she's I'm feeling weak today and it just came to me that's exactly when God said he'd be strong when we're too weak to carry on when we don't have the strength when we don't have the ability he said in your weakness i will be strong and we prayed together and just a few minutes later she said come help me get ready i'm going to church me and jesus we've got this thing knocked out amen how many of you know that when we're weak he is strong that, that verse just spilled out of me this morning. It was like, you know, this is the very moment when God said, I will help you. I will come to you. I will make you strong. You will have my strength when you are weak. His word is hidden in us. Hebrews 10, 24, 25 says, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. You know, sometimes we get this mentality, I'm going to go to church today because I need something from God. I'm going to go to church today because I feel like that God's got to do this, this, and this. And God does meet us when we gather together in the house of the Lord. But when's the last time that you said... I'm going to go to church today because I'm going to bless somebody. I mean, before they leave the house of God today, they're going to know that they've been with somebody who brought a blessing specifically for them. I'm going to smile at them. They're going to wonder what I'm up to because I'll be smiling every time they look at me. I'm going to pat them on the back. I'm going to hug them up tight. I'm going to shake their hand. I'm going to fist bump them. I'm going to make sure that they know that the God in me loves them big And when they leave the house of God today, they're going to know that they've been encouraged by another believer. Amen? Amen. Who did you encourage today? Who have you pinpointed? Who have you picked out? Saying, Pastor, I'm not in the mood today. I'm just feeling kind of down to myself. I kind of need somebody to help me. And I said, you know, my answer to that pretty much always is get over yourself. Get your focus off of yourself. And put your focus on other people and let God use you to be a blessing to them. Third question I want you to ask. Are the fruits of the Spirit evident in my life such as love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control? When's the last time any of that showed up in your life? When's the last time that it was your default setting? You know what I'm saying? Default setting. How many of you know that we have a default setting? Something bad happens? And oftentimes, many of these things never show up in our life at all. Instead, it's questioning. It's fussing. It's complaining. It's blaming. It's all those things. But how many of you know that's not how God wants us to live? God wants our default to be the fruit of the Spirit. So the next time that somebody irritates you, your job is not to return the irritation. The fruit of your Spirit is love. Now, here's the key. It has to be the fruit. The fruit is the default. The fruit is what's in the vine. And what's in the vine is what's connected to God himself. If we're connected to God himself, the fruit of our attitudes and the fruit of our actions will automatically be these things. This year I planted a blueberry bush and I planted a huckleberry bush. If you know anything about those, and I don't know anything about huckleberries at all. Somebody brought me one, they said, just put it in the ground, leave it alone, it'll do its thing. I had huckleberries like you would not believe. I had more huckleberries than I could know what to do with. But these individuals that gave me this huckleberry bush said in the first year, do not eat the huckleberries. Don't pick them off the bush, leave them there, let them stay. Do you know how hard it is? To not pick huckleberries on a bush that is absolutely full. But I left them there. And I and I have to confess, I picked one because I wanted to know what a huckleberry tasted like. And you know it tastes pretty much like a blueberry. And then I decided what's the difference between a blueberry and a huckleberry. And I don't I don't want to get into all that today. I, I just know that. The huckleberry bush is not going to produce blueberries. It's going to produce huckleberries. And the blueberry bush is not going to produce huckleberries. It's going to produce blueberries. Because it's connected to the vine of the tree. And let me tell you something. If we're living the way that we should be living, if we are connected to the branch, if our vine is connected to the branch, then what comes out of us ought to be the fruit of the Spirit. And my question to you today, is that your default response? Are you a person of love, of joy, of peace, of forbearance, of kindness, of goodness, of faithfulness, of gentleness, of self-control? Is that you? Or do you look very different than that? Next question. Do I trust in God's promises and have faith in His providence even in the midst of trials? and challenges. Can I just tell you that it's very easy to trust God when all is well? You're healthy. There's no problems at work. I know that many of you right now are on edge because of the possibility of strike with the UAW. And I I know and I've heard some of you and I've already heard some of your horror stories about your insurance and Not being available and not paying when you need it to pay and all those kinds of things. Especially those of you who may be in a position of retirement. Listen, I get it. Our human nature is to wonder, God, how are you going to take care of this situation? God, how are you going to meet my need? But let me just remind you that the Lord is our provider. Ford is not. General Motors is not. Whoever you work for, JCPS is not. GE is not. I heard that Robert went back to work at GE as a door greeter this week. Is that true? I don't don't know if that's true or not. No, sir. (laughs) I I knew that that was a story that had been uh, talked about. But listen, here's the point. Regardless of who we work for, regardless of it, Our trust has to be in the promises of God. Here sits a man right here on row number two in an orange shirt that just a few weeks ago, the whole department that he worked in at UPS folded up and moved to Texas. They wanted him to consider moving to Texas with the department. They said, you can come down here and have your job. But the French family didn't want to move to Texas. Who on earth would, right? But he just began to hold on to the promises of God. He began to surround himself with people of faith who could pray and believe that God would open the door at the right time, at the right moment, in the right way. He may have had some moments when he was... Uh, frustrated or discouraged or whatever but in the long haul here sets a man who by faith said God I'm just going to trust in you and your promises and know that you will provide everything that my family needs can you say praise the Lord for that and every situation God will come through is that true Romans 8:28 says we know that all things say on all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete. Not lacking anything. Listen, sometimes we have to go through some stuff so that we can grow up, so that we can mature. If we go through stuff and it makes us immature, and it makes us less of a believer, then God has not been able to work in us what He desired to work in us. Because our trials and our difficulties will always produce something good. If we will cooperate with God right the next thing I want you to ask yourself is am I actively sharing my faith and the hope of salvation with others fulfilling the Great Commission given by Jesus do you know that we are the only ones on this earth who are qualified to tell others about the hope that they can have in Jesus Christ the world's not going to do it it's got to come from the church it has to come from the mouth of believers. I had a parent one time tell me that they did not want to force the gospel of Jesus Christ upon their child. That they wanted them to be able to make their own choice when they get old enough. And they did not want to color their decision by talking about Jesus in their presence. person that attended our church, tra- not this church, but another church where I pastored, and you know me, I'm, I'm not r- real, you know, I, I, I just said, you're wrong. I, I'm, I might have even said, as a young pastor, you're an idiot. I, I'm not sure if I, if I did or not. But you know, if we're not going to tell our children about Jesus, who's going to tell them? It sure not going to be the school system. I was walking through Menards last night. They got all their Halloween stuff up. And I was going there. They got monsters in there that are probably 25 feet tall. Demons and devils everywhere. And I, I'm walking in there, and all I, all I wanted was just some fall bulbs that I could plant in my garden. That's all I wanted. And I walked by one of those devils, and he went, I promise, he went, ha, 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 ha. He said, another soul for me to destroy. That's what he said to me. I turned around and I said, (laughs) I said, buddy, you don't know who you're picking on right now. You you got a blood-bought child of God, and I can take you down in a second by just unplugging your sorry self? there are people in Menards looking at me like I lost my mind. I say, you're not going to take that kind of hogwash from that devil, are you? Man, I got Jesus in me. There ain't no devil in hell that's strong enough to, to cause me to want to deny my Savior. Still not going to happen. I set myself up for the gospel. I asked Paul to make me a hat that says expect right on the top of it, but left the E out of it because I didn't want or the E. Was a D. I E? I think it was the E. The people look at my hat and they say, what does that mean? There's no E in it. And I would say, that's right. Let me tell you about my Savior. Let me tell you about my faith. I have learned, and my church has learned how, to expect the best at all times. I got another hat coming that says explore, and it won't have a vowel either. And after that, I've got another hat coming that says expand, and it won't have an A. Because everywhere I go, I want people to look at my hat and say there's something different about that hat. And it'll give me the opportunity to say, let me tell you about what it really means. I'm setting myself up for witnessing. I'm setting myself up for people asking questions so that I can check, what are you setting yourself up for? I'm just asking. I'm not being mean. I'm just asking you, when's the last time you shared the gospel with anybody? Don't answer. Just think about it. Write down on your piece of paper whether that's a one or a ten. Ten. And if it's a one or close to a one, don't you think you ought to examine yourself and say, was he serious? Does he really think that I ought to preach the gospel? Well, let's look at the word, Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And then in Mark chapter 16, verse 15, he says, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. I know we have to be very careful with this. But back in the olden days, preachers were mean as snakes. I don't know if you remember that or not. I'll oh, say, so you've been sleeping around, have you? Don't come to church and talk about how good of a Christian you are. Repent and get saved. Man, I've heard so many so many messages like that. I, I Honestly, I can't tell you how many times that I've gotten saved. When I was a kid, every time an evangelist came to the church, I'd get saved every night of the revival. I remember one brother in the church, he'd... He'd give his cigarettes to the Lord and put them on the altar every... And if, you're, if you smoke, I'm not here to condemn you today. I'm just telling you what he did. He, he'd get under conviction. He'd come up and lay those cigarettes on the altar every night. And before he left, he'd pick them up and put them right back in his pocket. <laughs> He said, what are you getting at, pastor? I'm getting at this. He says in Matthew 28, he said, and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. In other words, if we have people in our lives that we have influence with, what we need to be able to do is to find a place where we can say to them, you know, if you're ever going to get victory over that in your life, you need to do what the Word of God says about that. Because if you don't obey the Word of God, you're never going to get victory over that. But if you'll obey the Word of God and do what God tells you to do, and do what the Word of God says for you to do, you can get victory over that. And we should have a role in that process. Because that's what Matthew 28. So my question again to you. When is the last time that you spoke to anyone and witnessed to them? Next question. Am I living a life that reflects the teachings and the commandments of Jesus Christ? Are you? Are you doing what Jesus said for you to do? Are you obeying the Word of God? Are you really? Are you doing it in every area of your life? Is there any hidden sin in your life? Is there anything, men, that you're doing that your wife doesn't know about? Women, is there anything that you're doing that your husband is not aware of? You see, getting awfully nosy today, preacher, listen. The only thing I care about is that you live your life as God intends for you to do. It is your life reflecting the commandments of God. John fourteen and verse fifteen says, "If you love me, keep my commandments." That's that's tough, isn't it? If you love me, keep my commandments. But here's the one that gets me it tears me up Luke chapter 6 verse 46 says why do you call me Lord Lord and don't do the things that I say let that sink in we're over here calling him Lord and his response to that is not, oh, thank you, you're right, I'm Lord, I'm Lord of all, I'm King of kings, Lord of lords, I'm, I'm your Lord, I'm not, that's not his response. His response is simply this, then why aren't you doing what I've commanded you to do? And I could go into so many different areas of life, I'm going to try and refrain from that because I'm not preaching toward a church-related goal. I'm just trying to tell you there are things that he has commanded us to do that we should be doing. And if we're not doing it, we disqualify ourselves from being able to recognize that he is Lord of our life because he's not Lord of our lives if we're not obeying his commandments. Boy, it's, you, you're responding exactly how I expected you today. I didn't expect anybody to shout and run the aisle and start a Jericho march. But that's okay. I hope you're thinking about what I'm telling you today. There's an old song that said, If you're not Lord of everything, then you're not Lord at all. I'm pounding the pulpit too hard. Next question I want you to ask. Is my faith accompanied by actions of love and compassion towards others? Do you love your family? Yeah, I'm sure you do. Do you love your friends? I'm sure you do. Do you love your church people? I'm sure you do. Do you love the people that you work with? I'm sure you do. Here's what Scripture says, James 2, verse 14. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? In other words, what are you doing that confirms your faith? And then James 2 and verse 17, he says, In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. So is your faith alive or is your faith dead? Next question. Do I have a genuine desire to grow spiritually and mature in my life? faith. I know people that as long as they think and know they're saved, that's all they care to have from Jesus. And want anything else? And care anything about being sanctified, which is being set apart for holiness? And care anything about being filled with the Spirit of God? And if they have had some kind of experience and they spoke in tongues for a few seconds, and they feel like they're spirits filled with the Holy Spirit, but the Spirit of God is not controlling their life, I dare say that you weren't filled with the Spirit. You just simply repeated a few words, that some old grandma was telling you to say in your right ear while somebody in your left ear was saying, go ahead, turn loose, and let Jesus have his way? Have you really genuinely been been sanctified and filled with the Holy Spirit? When's the last time that you prayed in the Spirit? When's the last time that you prayed in tongues? When's the last time? When's the last time that you got to a place where you were praying with such fervency that you could no longer pray with knowledge and the Spirit of God had to say to you, let me take over now. And he began to speak through you with groanings which cannot be uttered as the Scripture says. When's the last time? When's the last time that you fasted a meal? When's the last time you fasted a day? When's the last time? I'm just asking questions today. Don't get mad at me. I'm just asking questions today. Next question. Am I seeking to live a life that is set apart from worldly influences and conforming to God's standards? Romans chapter 12 verse 2 says, do not conform to the pattern of the world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is his good pleasing and perfect will James chapter 1 verse 27 says religion that our God and Father accepts as pure and faultless is this to look after orphans and widows in their distress and listen And to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. So what's polluting you? What influence does the world have in your life? Now listen, I'm not saying that you can't listen to secular music. I was raised up on the Doobie Brothers and the Eagles and Today, we were talking about the fifth dimension, somebody out in the hallway talking about, I love you, Bill, I always will. (laughs) Very little that you say gets past me. (laughs) I've got a coffee cup that says if the pastor hears it, it's going to be a sermon illustration at some point. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not suggesting that we have to just close our eyes and our ears to everything in the world. But let me tell you something. In the world that, that we live in today, we've got to start closing our ears and closing our eyes to some of the things. Or else it will pollute us. It will. And so I'm not, I'm not here saying to you, you need to cancel Netflix and Hulu and, and all of those kinds. I'm not, I'm not that kind of pastor. I, I'm not going to come to your house and check and see what you have playing on your fire stick or on, on your Roku or on your Apple TV. I, I'm not going to do that. That's not my job. My job is to preach the Word of God in such a way that you can make good decisions uh, about what will have an effect upon your life. Somebody say Amen. And then the final question today, am I willing to surrender my own desires and submit to God's will for my life? Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 and 25, he said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. They must take up their cross. They must follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. And then in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. I was in a meeting this past Thursday with several ordained bishops we'd been called to the state executive offices in Lexington. And we were introduced to a new initiative that the Church of God is launching. And it all revolves around trying to find young men and women to commit themselves to ministry. They told us that we are 5,000 pastors short just in the Church of God in the United States. They gave us the statistics that the majority of our pastors are getting close to the time in their life when they're either going to die out Or retire out and we don't have enough young pastors to fill those pulpits and pastor those churches and they said if God does not intervene and by the way it's not just the Church of God it's the Assembly of God it's the Baptist it's I I could go on and on we're just men young men and women are not giving their lives to Christ in such a way that they're saying, Lord, I will take up your cross and I will carry this message wherever you want me to go, whatever I need to do. 5,000 short. And they said the next move will be if we cannot raise up 5,000 pastors, we will start closing churches and selling the properties, or we will take two or three churches and have to merge them into one because we don't have enough young men and women who will agree to preach the gospel and pastor those congregations. And with all that information that I was hearing, what really struck me is when they looked right in my eyes. Oh, there were other men in the room. There were other pastors in the room. But they were speaking to me when they said, Pastor, look back through the years of your life and answer this question. How many young men and how many young women have accepted the call to ministry as a direct result of your preaching and your teaching? And there have been some I can go back through the years and I can name men and women who accepted the call of ministry. We've got a couple of young men right here among us that they're on track to become one of those voices. We have Pastor John and we have Pastor Matt who have said, Whatever it takes, I'm going to follow Christ in my calling. And so in that, I take comfort. I try to help them. I try to mentor them. I try to give them opportunity. When I give up the pulpit sometimes to them to let them preach and teach, it's not because I'm tired. It's not because I don't want to preach. But it's because we have a young generation that will only learn how to minister and pastor if they're given an opportunity. And my goal is to do that. But I look around this room today and I see others. And I wonder, has God placed a call upon your life? But when that man looked at me and he said, You pastors, if you have not raised up young disciples from your church who are heading into the ministry, you are not doing your job right. And right there in the midst of all those men, I wept before the Lord and I apologized and I repented and I asked God to forgive me that I don't try harder to raise up disciples. Because the crazier this world gets and the closer we get to the coming of Jesus Christ, the more voices who will speak forth the truth of the Word of God and the truth of Jesus Christ will be necessary. Larry Stockstill, a pastor who many, many years ago started a church in Louisiana, I think it was. As a young man, he felt that the Lord spoke to him and he said, build a sanctuary of 6,000 that will seat 6,000. And he built the sanctuary. And not long down the road, he filled that sanctuary up with 6,000 people worshiping every Sunday as they gathered in that house. And for many years, they produced great ministry. They impacted many people in their community and in their kingdom. And one day, Larry said to our meeting the other day, he said, I lifted up all of these statistics to the Lord and said, look what a good job I did. And he said, the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, Larry, as far as I can see, the only thing you did was build your kingdom because you sure didn't build mine. Listen, you have a pastor standing before you today, and you know this about me. I'm not about numbers. I'm not about trying to grow churches for the sake of growing churches. In fact, it's not even my job to grow the church. The Lord said he would build the church. He asked me a long time ago, he said, Will you build the people if I'll build the church? And that's what I'm about. I'm about building people. But I'm going to tell you that there are times when you try to build people that they resist it and they'll end up leaving because they don't want to be challenged living higher in their level of faith. But that's not going to silence me. I'm going to pull you up higher every opportunity that I get. If I have to grab you by the nap of the neck and pull your hair up higher, I'm going to have you screaming in the Spirit, Lord, take us higher. I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm not going to let you be settled in your place. I'm not going to allow you to maintain your bad attitudes and those things that are fleshly. I'm going to call it out every opportunity that I can, not because I don't like you, or because I hate you, or because I'm angry with you, but if we're going to be faithful to what God has raised us up to do, then we've got to be people who will follow the Word and the will of God. Stand with me if you will. Will you just reverently Stand before the Lord right now and worship Him for just a moment. And while you're doing that, I want you to go through that list. I want you to find that one or two places, and I want you to marinate on it for just a few minutes. Just do that in the silence of the Spirit. (coughs) sanda bakari diato liya tabo ko sota bako yanda bakar liya da mo ko sota biata da mo sota sata mando boko yi tabo yanda boko sanda liya ta bokoshi Here's what I feel led in this altar service. I have preached to the congregation as a whole. But here's what I believe God wants to happen now. I I believe that what He would love for us to do right now is to take a few moments and have an old-fashioned time of soul-searching, followed by repentance around this altar this morning. And I'm inviting everybody in this building today, I want you to step out of your seat and come down here. Find a place if you need to kneel, kneel. If you need to sit, sit. If you need to stand, stand. But I want you to present yourselves in the presence of God in a few moments of repentance and soul-searching this morning. Will you come? Will you come? Will you come? Don't focus on me. Don't focus on anybody else who's coming. Don't focus on anyone. Just focus on God. And as you feel led by the Spirit, as you feel led by the Spirit, I want you to pray. Seek His face. Go ahead and do it now. 1976, this 17-year-old young man flew the coop and went to Fresno, California, in about the lowest state that I'd ever been in spiritually, quit high school, went to Fresno, and entered into Bible college. kept a bottle under my brother-in-law's front car seat that he never knew was there so that I could snatch a drink whenever I wanted to. As far away from God, having been brought up in the church as far away from God as I'd ever been, a man named Bill Sheeks came, preached our fall convocation and I don't even know what he preached about. I couldn't tell you if my life depended on it, what he said. But I just know that God spoke so clearly to me and said I have a plan for your life but I have to have your commitment to it in order to work it. And I found my way from the back of that chapel all the way down to the front, and I prayed a prayer that I'd prayed so many times before in my life, Jesus, forgive me. But there was something different about that time because I was serious. And I wanted God to know that though I might not be perfect, that I would spend the rest of my life doing my best to follow Him. And I've been trying ever since then to be the best me that I can be in the Spirit. I'm not perfect. I've lost count of the number of times that I've repented and asked the Lord to forgive me of falling short of His glory through the years. But He has never denied my request. For forgiveness and with every incident he's always taken that opportunity to mature me and raise me up to a new level of living I'll still probably fall short I'll still probably have to ask him to forgive me from time to time but I'm so thankful today For the amazing grace of Jesus Christ, who loves me in spite of my failure. And I have no choice but to preach the gospel at every opportunity that I have. And I just want to be faithful to Him. And I told you that to tell some of you today. Some of you have turned your back and walked into sin and have hidden sin so many times through the years that you wonder if you're ever going to be free from it. Let me just remind you of this. If you'll let Him, He will set you free and remove your sin from you and position you for blessing in your life. So as we close this service, I just want us to take a moment and thank Him for forgiving us, for loving us in spite of our faults and our failures, and then to ask Him, Lord, if you will forgive me and help me, I will commit. To living higher than I've ever lived before because I know you'll help me do that and you want me to do that and I will examine myself so that I can become everything that you desire me to be will you pray with me father I come to you as the pastor of this church I come to you and I ask you forgive me for the many times that I have failed and fallen short of your glory Lord, I love you so much, and I'm committed to your will for my life. And with your help, I will not give up. I will continue to seek you. I will continue to allow you to do in me what only you can do. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for freedom. And now, Lord, as we prepare to dismiss from this moment, I bless these individuals that are standing here before me today. I pray that you will speak to them today and in the many days to come, and that as they examine themselves, that they will find those little nook and cranny sins and faults, and they will root them out of their lives with your help, and they will determine that with your help, They will become everything they can be for the kingdom of God, for you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Are you glad that you're saved today? Give the Lord praise today. Hallelujah.